back. It's episode 20 of Pitch Invasion. Can you believe it? We're 20 episodes deep. And yes, of course, this is the podcast for football tribalists. I'm going to start off by introducing myself. My name is Ola Makwaza, and I'm always joined by... Well, you know, uh, I was looking for my mug. I wanted to make some coffee this morning. And Tell the people what your name is, and let's get on with it. Guess where I found we have, it? We have a show to do. It's on top of the table. <laughs> My name is Ameka Enyadike, and I hope um, we do have a Man United fan here. Yes, of course, indeed, we do have a guest with us. I'm going to let her introduce herself. Well, I'm Talagele Mganga. I used to be a sports reporter, now I'm just all-round news. And, of course, uh, you are going to be heavily involved in our first discussion of the, the show today because Jose Mourinho has been sacked. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. He's been shown the door. After what I could say, a dismal season, United are sixth, 19 points behind Liverpool. And after Sunday's massacre, you know, one could say you're not surprised, but he's been shown the door and he's no more. And United are in search of a new coach. Jose is in search of a new job. Amika, as the reason why Jose is sacked, maybe you should kick off and tell us uh, what your thoughts about that. I think I was quite surprised. Uh, not surprised that, that he was fired, but I think I was quite surprised um, that he got fired now. Um, I think that, you know, he, he almost seemed to be asking for for him to be fired all along because, you know, a club of Manchester United's pedigree, you don't um, go out and say some of the stuff that he says. And also, it's almost like a cardinal scene when you start praising Liverpool. Um, the way that he was did. weird, wasn't it? Yes, he talked about you know the quality of the players. Talked about the way they they, they ran. You know, the, the, there's one quote. You know, he said, "When I see Robert Robertson running, I, I get so tired." I mean, mm. look, Mourinho, for him to give up the way he did, it shows that really, really, he. Um, I think he, he's come to a point where he realizes that look, this is not going to work anymore, because you know, I, I remember I said three weeks ago he. At the press conference, he said, um, I think by, by Christmas, we will be in the top four. And then he says, we, oh, we've got like eight games. That was wishful thinking. We've got like eight games. And then, you know, Crystal Palace was, was playing the next day. And then, you know, he went from Crystal Palace, Southampton, and, and now, you know, this, this loss to Liverpool. I mean, he what does he really have to offer? Do you think they, they held him on to that quote about by Christmas we'll be in the top four because you know if you forecast it they definitely won't be in the top four I mean absolutely absolutely I think I, for me you know I've, I've always looked at that as a point where he set himself up for well, what has happened to him because you don't just uh, make those kind of, of saying you're not Muhammad Ali yeah <laughs> those Ali predictions. Yeah, Ali prediction somehow gets gets to knock people out in the round that he is. But to say by Christmas we'll be in the top four, and then you look at halfway through the eight eight game target that you're giving yourself, you haven't won a game. It's brutal. We are of course joined by Tolagele Mganga and um, Tolagele. Could you please tell us how you're how are you feeling? I mean, as a United fan, you know I'm sure you are elated by this. You know, having had the Sir Alex Ferguson years, they were like, stability was our middle name. In a sense, I kind of get why Roman Abramovich is so quick to hire and fire managers, 
because you, you really can see when a project is working and when it isn't working. And I know, always remember Sir Alex Ferguson saying that with a team, you always have a four-year cycle. That first season, you're kind of just getting to know the side. The second and third season is kind of when the success comes. And by the fourth season, you're starting to rebuild because you're phasing out the old players. You look at Jose and the two and a half years that he was there, and there was never really any sort of plan. Yes, we had the instant success when we won the Europa League. Then we had the League Cup. The football wasn't great at the moment, mm. but we kind of let it go because the trophies were rolling in and Jose was living up to the hype. We're having all those quotes where he was insulting other managers. So we're like, it's cool. In the second season, we were way behind Manchester City, but we had that derby game where we kind of denied them the title, so we let it go. When he started with the fights in pre-season of this year, and he was telling us how Paul Pogba, someone who had just won the World Cup, kind of wasn't good enough for this team. I think that's when we started seeing the cracks. Of course, you pointed other issues where the board didn't give him the investment into the defense. And he kind of, those first few games when he gave Pogba the armband and he took it away, it was those little things that kind of gave us that warning that Jose Mourinho's third season is happening again. But I also think with the way that United are, they, they obviously thought, look, Pep Guardiola is working for our rivals. He's going to build a legacy there. Jurgen Klopp is doing well with Liverpool. They didn't want to be the one big team that would kind of admit that they'd made a mistake with the manager. Mm. So they gave him this season. But unfortunately, Jose did what Jose does best. He kind of self-combats. And we look at the fact that you're throwing away Paul Pogba for a Scott McTominay. You're looking at Nemanja Matic. I'm sorry, maybe a year ago, these were players that were performing well. But now when you're so behind your biggest rivals, you can't go to Anfield and honestly believe that a midfield two of Herrera and Matic makes sense because we're essentially going, we're going to park the bus. And you look at that second half performance on Sunday. Were you surprised though that he was going to go then park the bus? He, he looks like he, he went there to pop the buzz because you look at that second half performance where he's throwing in Fellaini for the second half and you're going, but we still won one. Anything can happen. Mm. That minutes that he threw Fellaini in, it was over for United. And no wonder it was so easy for Liverpool to carve us because honestly, there was no creativity. And you're sitting there and you're watching substitution after substitution. Yes, you get Martial in, but who's going to create the chances for Martial when... Your midfielders are literally, they, they do nothing. They provide nothing in terms of a creative outlet. And I think you look at that, what, anytime we go up against Liverpool, that will always be a good indication of where we are as a football team. And on Sunday, we really did realize that we're kind of that Everton, Watford tier of clubs at the moment where oh, we're not competing bad? for the trophies. We're mid-table and realistically, a top four position is something we can dream about at the moment. We're not good enough to earn it. You know what really surprised me about Jose, um, more so this season than his tenure, is that, you know, Jose has always been renowned as a coach, a guy who, you know, comes up with a solution, a guy who always fixes problems. That's how Jose made his bread and butter coming up through the ranks. And, you know, you can go back from the teams that he's coached. He's always had not necessarily a plan B, but he's just always had, you know, an ace up his sleeve to always get those results that the teams that he's managed, you know, they've needed. And I look back and I think to myself, when Paul Pogba comes in, you know, you're looking at Jose and you're thinking, man, given, you know, the United team that he has, and you plug in Pogba, this team can go far. Then you bring in Lukaku. Then, you know, the Alexis Sanchez comes in. 
And I'm thinking, okay, United, uh, Mourinho more so has got something to work with. But since all those players come have come into United, and I look at his counterparts, Jose has failed on the coaching aspect. The fact that Amika um, alluded to it earlier, when he was praising Liverpool, saying, I look at the way they're playing, I look at the way they're running. To me, that sounded like he was more, you know, condemning himself that, man, I haven't gotten the best out of those players. Because if you're going to look at another team and say, look how well they're running, look how well they're playing, that's down to the coach. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird because, I mean, he, he talked about the players, like, like man for man, the Liverpool players were so much better than the United players. And I don't, I don't, I don't agree. I mean, if, if you put the, the Manchester United players side by side, the players at Liverpool and even at Man City, they, they, they've got a lot of quality in that team. I mean, Paul Pogba is a world champion. Yes. You know, Juan Mata is one of, one of the best players. He's also a world champion. So you got those two. I mean, I look at them, they're both sitting on the bench on, on Sunday. They're sitting on the bench. At halftime, uh, you, know, you know, like she alluded, you had, you, it was 1-1. Yes, Liverpool had, had been all over them earlier in the game, but once United got that goal, they seemed to find a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of, how would I put it, gravitas in that team. I would expect that if he even brought on Pogba or brought on Mata, you know, let alone I mean, I will take out Lukaku and bring and bring on Martial, and let's let's have these these youngsters run at the team because the the one problem that I saw in that in that game, which I don't know what Mourinho's plan was, because if he had only Lukaku up front, every time they looped the ball into the area, Lukaku wasn't playing the team into, you know, he will head the ball and mm. he will he will he will lose it to Liverpool. Whereas, you know, there was one instance where Mohamed Salah was alone and they passed the ball onto him and he won a corner. So. You know, you, you wonder, okay, what is the plan? So you bring in, bring on Feliani. Is he supposed to go up front and, and do what Lukaku is supposed to do? Well, he's done or, that a few times. Or that. the example is, is Feliani gets in there to form part of the, the wall, but that wall got carved up so much that, you know, you had Shakiri where he said, I'm sitting on the bench and I'm seeing so much space. <laughs> you know, it's, as Shakiri is not a coach, he's a player. He can see. So, you know, uh, Mourinho, I, I think, you know, the one theory that I've had um, the entire season and, and even a bit of last season is that um, in the past when he's thrived in this league, the quality of managers that he's faced, a lot of those English and, you know, British type type managers mm. who do not really come there to play. Right now, you have every team in England can afford to bring in very good managers. So if you look at the league right now... And players too. Southampton, yeah, and players. I mean, Shakiri and Cody were at Stoke last season. So you look at what has happened now, Southampton would have panicked and maybe gotten some Allardyce or Alampadi or somebody. But no, they've got... They've gotten Hassan Hotel, who used to be RB Leipzig coach. So you've got... And he's come in and he's made, laid his marker out in the win against Arsenal. So the quality of coaches, if you look at the... the there are about 10... 10 to 12 really bright, young, forward-thinking coaches in that league. And that's where Mourinho's problem comes from because he's, he doesn't have any of those teams that he can just bamboozle. Those guys are coming in with really smart uh, technical depth, which um, for any manager, if you, if you don't sit up, you, you're just going to struggle. Look at Wolves as well. Uh, Tonagela, just to quickly wrap it up, so I'm, I'm going to end it with you. Um, where to for United from here? I think, honestly... 
even though with Flat the caretaker says, I I honestly from reading what other commentators are saying, probably Laurent Blanc because he understands the club he's played for it, and especially to have that French core. That's the key for United at the moment. The fact that Martial hasn't signed a contract, so we're going to need a manager that kind of shows him that if you stick around, we do have a long-term future. But going to the end of the season. More importantly than a manager is us actually having a director of football. So there's someone who's telling us that this is the blueprint about how Manchester United will play. And these are the kinds of players that we're going to be signing. Because I think under Mourinho, in a sense, we actually kind of became the Galacticos where if we wanted someone who could just spend money and get them, it didn't have to make sense, but we had the players. Because you look at the fact that we spend so much money on Fred, but he can't even get to the side. So the most important thing for United at the moment is to get a director of football who kind of settles the football side of it while Ed Woodward runs the money side of it. And when it comes to long-term managers, I'm hearing people say Mauricio Pochettino, if there's one thing that we know about Daniel Levy is he doesn't sell anyone for free. So imagine what happens when you actually come after his manager. Mm, United will yeah, probably have to pay for... <laughs> exactly. They'll have, probably have to pay double the money they pay for Paul Pogba just to get a manager. So that one is an option. But I think you have to look at maybe a Zidane, even though he's kind of untested in a team that doesn't have the star players. So for me, it'll probably be between those two. There are also those things where people are like, oh, Ryan Giggs has to come back. Look, he hasn't really done amazing things with this Welsh side. And until he kind of figures that one out, maybe he can be considered a successor. But I think for now, it's either between Pochettino or Zidane in terms of who will succeed Mourinho long term. Yeah, people, oh, have, people have talked about about Gary Neville. I've seen, uh, I've seen, I've seen some really really weird names on on some of the lists going around. I tell you uh, one name I, 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 I do I awesome do have. Name. I mean, she mentioned something earlier, which I thought um, Laurent Blanc. You know, could be could be a good choice if because he knows the club. Mm. Um, you know, Mark Hughes uh, as his top gap, mm. maybe. I'm not so sure about <laughs> Mark Hughes as, as a player. Stop gap, yeah, he can stop gaps as a player. But as a manager, oh well. I don't I, know. I, look, I'm not a United fan, so Jose's departure actually saddens me because I actually enjoyed this comedy of a <laughs> of a debacle that's happening at Old Trafford. So. For me, I am a little bit sad. But we are going to move on from Jose Mourinho and touch on something that does affect Man United in some way, which is the Champions League draw, the last 16, which obviously was conducted on Monday. And some interesting uh, matches coming up. I mean, usually the Champions League last 16 draw, you know, it's, it's a gimme with the teams that top the group that, okay, they'll run into, you know, the team that finished second in, in a harder group. But I mean, this year, you have Dortmund, Tottenham, You've got PSG running into Man United, Atleti- uh, Juve running into Atletico. So, yes, Bayern running into Liverpool. So it's not one of those groups where, not one of those draws where, you know, the team that uh, finished top of the group is rewarded with the so-called lesser team that finished second. Because you you don't have those teams that you expect to win the, the, the group, actually winning the groups. So you have a situation where suddenly all of those teams uh, finish second in the group. What it meant was that if not for the fact that teams from the same league could not be paired against each other, we would have seen even more difficult pairings in this in this round because the quality of the teams left uh, means that you know you can't avoid anyone. It's just like even if you if you look at what happens after this round as well, there, there's no hiding place. Yeah, some teams would have preferred to meet Porto, um, but you know I think uh, given the the events of Mourinho's sacking, 
um, the Manchester United and PSG game, which at, at first glance looked like a walkover, depending on who they appoint as manager of, of United, could become a contest once again. I mean, imagine if they do appoint Lauren Blanc. Exactly. And he plays PSG. Uh, yeah, because he's, he's got a bit he's of been a, there an before, extra so, himself. It'll be interesting. And then, and then, you know, um, that's all eyes will be on that fixture because um, PSG have failed to get beyond either this, the, the group stage, the round of 16 or or the even the, the quarterfinals. Mm. They, they failed to get beyond those two rounds over the last... Uh, in fact, since they got the billions. Mm. And Tonagela, which, uh, tr- which fixture does uh, stands out to you particularly? I think for me, uh, obviously the United versus PSG one, because depending on where you were yesterday, you were going PSG are going to slaughter us and you'd already given us hope. But if it does happen that Laurent Blanc does take over, then you come in and there's a little bit of optimism. But for me, I really feel like that Tottenham Hotspur Borussia Dortmund game could actually be the underrated game of the round. Because the two of them, remember, they were in the group stages last season where Dortmund were going through that awful spell. Roman Berkey was horrible in goal. The side just lacked confidence. But you look at Dortmund now, they're unbeaten in the, in the mid-season break in Germany. They're the top dogs. They look on course to actually win the title in the Bundesliga. Of course, Mauricio Pochettino, even though he didn't invest in the squad during the transfer window, they are looking unbeatable at the moment. So for me, it's the two teams that no one really looks out for, but I think they really could be fireworks in that Spurs-Dortmund game. You know, the game for me that particularly stands out, I must be honest to you, I think the Liverpool buy-in, I know on paper, of course, it is a big game, but there are some legacies on the line in this game because I'm looking at Liverpool now and of course they were last year's finalists so mm. this game for them is a nightmare of a draw whether it was quarterfinals last 16 or final because now essentially by munich you know they've got experienced experienced players in their squad guys that have the know-how and i'm not so sure that liverpool especially given the fact that by munich themselves you know they've got a lot to prove in this year's Champions League. The league may not be so, you know, out of the uh, realm per se, but the Champions League is where it seems like, okay, they can invest everything they have because the Champions League this year is wide open. Wide, I, wide I, open. I, I tell you who should be afraid. Yeah. Who should be afraid in that game is 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 Bayern because, look, one, um, Klopp knows them. Mm. Um, secondly, a lot of the Bayern players are, are you know, they, they're beat um, over the hill. Um, you know, they, they, it's a bit asking too much to, to, for them to produce some of the match that we've seen. And that's why you've seen them struggle a bit in the season. They do have a new manager in Kovac who has done well in trying to, to turn their fortunes around from where they were after, after Antelotti got fired. The one thing I can say is that for Liverpool, playing, playing the Champions League against teams like this, that is how they made their name. Liverpool is a team that, Thrives when they play against mm. big name teams in the Champions. You see what happened in the group stage. They had Red Star. They, they were kind of like a dusticle in their games against Napoli and 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 Red Star until with their backs against the wall. They had to fight for the result to get into this this stage of the of the competition. I you know I personally and it's not because I'm a Liverpool fan. I, the thing is just simply that you know if it was Bayern of a year or two ago, I'd be worried. But um, this particular uh, team, I think that the fact that Liverpool plays home first. 
yeah. is is the advantage that they have. Before I pass over to you, Torga, you know, the Man United PSG game for me is another one that I think is quite interesting because mm. I, I use the word legacies on the line in the Bayern Munich Liverpool because you know Bayern Munich, you know, for that team to get out in the knock in the last sixteen of a Champions League, that is that you know all mayhem's gonna they, they used to in, uh, they used to meet us listen right? they, they used to meet us they used to meet in fact there was a funny there was a funny meme yesterday it was like man united uh, Bayern Munich guys looked at wow we picked another English team oh but it's not us now yeah yeah so <laughs> you know for Bayern Munich to get out of the last sixteen uh, in the Champions League all chaos is gonna break loose in. Uh, uh, in uh, Munich and then obviously with Liverpool being last year's finalists you know you want to be uh, go at least to the semi-finals the finals but now mm. when I look at the Man United PSG game I'm looking at again I'm going to use that word legacy PSG's legacy is really down to this game because if PSG go out to Man United who have just sacked their coach right well there would have been two months having sacked their coach the money they've invested Right, and it's now another third, fourth season, two hundred plus spent. We are asking PSG, when are you going to do it? And the other interesting thing for me is that if PSG don't do it this season, when are they going to do it? Because I don't see them keeping Neymar this season. Why would Neymar be interested in staying and winning the league one title again? Mbappe again? There's questions. Mm -hmm. And when you have a club like Real Madrid who have money to spend post Cristiano Ronaldo and all their winnings in the Champions League. I'm not so sure they can keep the core of this team going for the next three, four years, which means for me, this is it for PSG. And especially with the Champions League being this wide open, I don't think they'll get another chance in a very, very, very long time. I don't know Absolutely. what your thoughts are about that, Tony. It, it's true because ultimately, how many times are you going to keep investing into the side in the goal of attaining the one thing that the owner obviously wants, which is the Champions League trophy? And they had it when they had that advantage against Barcelona, and then Barcelona managed to turn it around. I think it still haunts them to this day. It's the reason Unai Emery had to leave the club at the end of last season. So if they're going to win it, this is the season. They're taking on a Manchester United side that, depending on how things go, there will be lower confidence, but also the defense is shoddy. So that's not going to change within the next two months. So they've got that advantage. And also you speak about... You, the, you, never, you never know there's a general, January transfer window. And Look, they've got, I'm sorry, They've got the money. They've got the money. Well, they still have they to stick to financial fair play. They can't just sign because remember, they're also under the clock now with financial fair play. I'm talking so. about United. United can. Oh, yeah. I thought you were saying yeah. about no, PSG. No, but see, with the defense thing, it's not like we can go out and buy the big players. There were rumors yes. of Jerome Boateng. He's not about to leave Bayern. I saw something about Koulibaly as well. Yes, you, you look at, we've also been linked to Toby Araverald, another fight with Daniel Levy. So we're never <laughs> going to win that one. So the defense is not about to change overnight. If they do buy a defender, it will probably be like someone in their 30s who's just there to kind of calm Pep things down. True, <laughs> to calm things down because it's crazy. But if you're PSG, you're Neymar, you're Kylian Mbappe, you lo you're looking at that defense and you're going, if we can get our things in order, we can be able to beat this team. Because it makes no sense for them to be winning League One 70 million times in a row. No one cares. I mean, after you saw Phil Jones's performance last week, why wouldn't you be licking your lips? If no, you but look, I, I don't agree. Look, I, I sometimes I think that um, this whole buy, 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 that's, that's how Mourinho has failed now. If you look at Klopp, he came into Liverpool 
one of the things he did, he didn't try to, to go by rush into buying players. Eventually, he did buy Van Dyke. But when he did Amika, he bought big. He bought big. He, he so, raised the price of defenders for so, the next so thousand the years the to point, come with that The point Dijk, is, so with Mourinho, he just goes out and buys anyone uh, for the sake of it. You have to buy buy the right player and and look at where how you fix your problem. If you look at Man City, they went out and they bought certain defenders and suddenly they became a lot more solid. They, they couldn't win in Pep's first season because of that. So I think that to a large extent, uh, Mourinho you know, undid a lot at, at, at Man United with his purchases. Particularly, I mean, he got Lindenhoff. And Lindenhoff, for me, you know, when he plays, it's almost as if he's, he doesn't know where his position should be, whether he's a centre-back or he's a, he's a left-back. And then you had, like, Marcos Rojo, who, for me, I think it's, you know, really, really a very good defender and probably just needs to find the right... The problem is finding the right partnerships. Mm. Uh, and once you don't get the right partnerships, you might just bring in a manager now who decides, you know, I'm going to play this player in the right position. Because Mourinho is playing young as a left-back, playing uh, Valencia when he plays him, plays him as, as a full-back, plays players out of position. Uh, just a quick one from both of you. Which English team is going to make it? Or which teams are going to make it? And which team or teams are not going to make it? Um, let me, let me go, go game by game. I, I think Liverpool will go through against Oh, France. surprise, surprise. Oh. Uh, Man United against against PSG, depending on who they appoint as, as manager, it's still, um, the jury is still out. I think it will be a bit silly to just go with PSG until I know who the manager of Man United is. I think that it's, it can go either way. Uh, Tottenham against Dortmund, I think Dortmund will go through. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, um, there's uh, Juventus at Atletico. No, I just want the Premier League team. Oh, Premier League teams. Um, it's, Man it's, City's uh, Man City. Yeah, I think Man City will go through. Will go through. Tell again, on your side. Which Premier League teams do you foresee either, you know, surviving the rest of the competition or going home? I think we may have lost Tolagela. They will try to get it back on the line. But for me, you know, I'm looking at Man City. I'm thinking they have to handle Schalke very easily. I think Man City will see off Schalke. And I think Man United are going to beat PSG. And I'm going to be the first one to say it right now, right here. I'm even going to put money on it. Man United will go through to the quarterfinals. I think Tottenham also have enough to beat Dortmund, to be quite honest with you. I think Tottenham... I, I think Dortmund have played well, but Tottenham just have this, they've got this renewed belief now that is so different from the Tottenham of old. They, they now have this belief that they can beat the big teams, and they have in the last two years. I mean, you, you add you, Juventus to that list, uh, you add uh, Real Madrid, you add Barcelona, well, they didn't beat Barcelona, but they played well against Barcelona, so they have that belief now. And um, Liverpool, Bayern, um, you know what? I'll be nice enough to Amika and, uh, and say uh, Liverpool will go through. Tolagela, can you hear me? Yes, I can. I, think, which I, of I, English, I, I hope she agrees with me. Which of the English teams do you think will or will not make it through to the quarterfinals? I think Manchester City, that's a given that they've already advanced, not having kicked the ball. Wow. I would have to go against you when it comes to Spurs and Dortmund because this Dortmund mm. side under uh, Favre, they've really discovered their form. 
they know how to play as a team, as a unit. Their defense has has actually found stability. I think the one thing they'll they'll be concerned about is how they've gone from scoring four goals a game to averaging like that one random goal. Mm. That will be their one issue. So for me, I think Spurs will be knocked out. I love me some United, but I can't see them getting past PSG <laughs> at the moment. And I think Liverpool, they just edge it for me right now with Bayern Munich. This is a Bayern Munich side currently that are struggling to actually find their feet under Niko Kovic, where they've got the elder statesmen in the team that are kind of in a bit of a mutiny against him because he's decided to change up their side they're not, and they're not considered regulars. And you've got a Jurgen Klopp side that are really high in confidence. I think depending on how the league title race is in February, if maybe Liverpool have a four or five point lead, they'll probably put all their energies in that basket. But as it stands right now, I say Liverpool have the edge over Bayern Munich. All right. Okay. Well, let's move it along to the Premier League then. Um, I'm going to stick with you, Tolagelo, on this one. Liverpool, of course, on top of the log, and you know they're not giving any signs that they might relinquish that lead anytime soon. Because every time you throw them a fixture that you might think, you know what, Liverpool might not win this game or might not do so well, and they come with the goods. But of course, mm-hmm. Man City are chomping at the heels, and you can't write them off any time. I mean, this is, uh, these are the defending champions. So. Where do you think this uh, league title is headed in terms of Man City and Liverpool? Who do you think currently right now, you know, looks good to actually go on and win the title? Look, my pride will never, ever, ever allow me to say Liverpool. Please, please, please. I hope you are not going to bring Man United into this topic because they (laughs) they are... We are fighting our own battles. (laughs) We have different battles. I think for me, Manchester City, and I'm not just saying that because I don't want Liverpool to win it, but you look at the fact that... Let's be honest. We don't want Liverpool to win. Say We don't want Liverpool to win. Say what's on your mind. But I think you look at this Manchester City side, I don't think they've actually found that top game that they had last season. Yes, they're in second place and they're a point behind Liverpool, but I do feel like they still have an extra gear to go. And that's how they've got the likes of uh, Kevin De Bruyne coming back. Sergio Aguero, even though he seems to be having a lot more injury problems at the moment, he's really yet to fully hit his top gear at the moment. I think once those two get it together, then you'll see the difference between them and the rest of the league. Liverpool, the one thing that they do have is that Jurgen Klopp has made some really, really good bench players and they've know they know they now know how to impact the game. We saw Shakiri come on, Daniel Sturridge who's come back from the dead. He's also doing really Origi. well when he's <laughs> exactly so he's got these really great impact players that can come from the bench and do something. But I think for me Manchester City do edge it because at the end of the day they've got the experience to go the full marathon of a Premier League race. Liverpool don't have that. You remember was it four or five seasons ago when Liverpool Crystal was Palace Crystal Palace Monday night Crystal Palace 3-0 up you see Steven Gerrard Steven Gerrard but the Crystal Palace game it's those little things that when you add those last five games I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly stick this one out because Amika is red hot and ready to jump in on this one Okay, I look. I get. I get what you mean when you say they don't have the experience and all that. But we do have Jurgen Klopp. Um, four years ago, we had Brendan Rodgers, who, you know, was, you know, out of his depth when he came to, you know, a few games to go. He had to play against Chelsea. Maybe he needed to be um, a lot more careful. Careful in that game, he went all the way. Uh, if there's one thing Klopp has done this season is that Liverpool are better defensively. They, they, they haven't considered considered a lot of goals. 
And even when they considered last weekend against United was um, a very un- unusual mistake from the goalkeeper. We're wanting that that wins you titles is is defense. Um, everyone wondered whether they were ever, ever going to find the, the scoring range from the last couple of weeks, and you find that you know they've they've been scoring a lot of goals now in in the last couple of games, and you find the front three firing on all, all cylinders. If they are, um, they don't they're not affected a lot by injuries because I mean they've got Joe Gomez out, they, they still don't have Ox, Oxley Chamberlain, they've they've got uh, Trent Alexander also also injured. Um, so many injuries already. But like you said, you know, they, they, they have these players who come, come off the bench and create some kind of impact. If there's one thing I've noticed with this team, especially since after that win against Everton, is the fact that uh, somehow they have a spring in their heels. The players can smell blood. They, they know that, you know, they, they are in a very good position now to challenge for the, for the title. And despite whatever it is that Man City does. And the one thing Man City started the league, the league, you know, like a house on fire, blowing teams away. It gets to a point where that puts a lot of pressure on you to the point where, you know, every time you win, you look behind you and Liverpool is winning 1-0 and still two points behind you. And then now Liverpool are ahead of them. Now, what's going to happen is between now and the 3rd of January, both sides have got fixtures to, to navigate. If if they win their games, then the, the game between Liverpool and, and, and Man City at the Etihad becomes almost like a mini title decider, title decider which... Um, you know, if there's one team that Pep Guardiola dreads, it's, it's Liverpool. Liverpool, it's almost, it's almost like he's, I mean, even it's the first, it's like a kryptonite. Like yeah. Two, so, two so, you know, it's, it, we, we, for us, you know, I'm a Liverpool fan, but I'm also a very, um, you know, great football fan that like, loves to enjoy good football. So I enjoy Man City. I enjoy Arsenal. I enjoy, uh, the way they play. And I think that overall, um, we, 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 we're, we're, we're having one of the best seasons in a very long while because, like I said, on the 3rd of January, if both sides keep up at the tempo that they're going, then we're going to have have a real cup final before, yeah. before the cup final on the 3rd of January. But, oh. but if you ask me, I, I think that, that this is Liverpool season. Um, and, 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 I'm, and I say it uh, much more from my head than from my heart. Well, without being biased, please do not count Arsenal out. We're only 11 points back, but, you know, a lot can happen. Hassan Hotel, whatever his name was. So, again, uh, before I let you go, um, I must ask you, you know, we have to drag you back into this United mess um, now that you don't have a manager. And, of course, your players are coming under the fire every week. There's always a Man United player being criticised. If it's not Pogba, if it's not Martial Stigea. Now, your legends are coming out and we've got gigs you know, the comment that he said about Lukaku. I don't know if you saw the comment, but he made the comment saying that Lukaku makes, you know, other strikers make um, average balls look good. Or was it bad balls look good? Whereas Lukaku makes good balls look bad. What's your take on that? We we came into the Lukaku signing knowing that his first touch was horrible. We've seen it multiple, multiple times. I think last season, it helped that even though his touch was horrible... You don't think no one considered that when they put 70 million (laughs) on the table? His, His first touch was horrible, but he was scoring goals last season. This season, just like I think everybody at the club, everybody's so low on confidence. Like Even every little mistake can be pointed out. And the legends are thriving on picking this team apart. 
I've heard Paul Ince talk about how no one wants to buy Jesse Lingard's clothes. And I'm going, what do these things have to do <laughs> with the football matters? Because at the end of the day, I think you, if it, it really boils down at United with confidence, if your manager is slating you at every press conference, in every newspaper, and kind of going, there's some players that are always permanently injured, there's some players that are not good enough to play for this team, on the training ground, can you imagine some of the words that he's actually saying to them? So I think for even Lukaku, someone who may have struggled with his first touch but had the confidence to still score the goals, he would have overlooked those sort of comments. But when you're struggling as a team on a whole, those little things are being picked apart and the legends are thriving off it. I remember watching um, Roberto Martinez on Premier League TV ahead of, I think it was the United-Everton game. And he was talking about how the difference between a Lukaku at United and a Lukaku at Belgium is that the system is set up to actually make sure that he thrives. At United, you don't even know what the system is. That's mm. why you can see everybody's shortcomings. When Paul Pogba loses the ball, it's not so much the fact that he doesn't know how to retain it. It's the fact that there are no runners ahead of him that he can pass the ball to. So things that are glorious stats when you play for France kind of come up, come out as negatives at United because you're playing in different systems and all your mistakes are kind of zoned in and everybody just wants to pick this team apart. I think at the moment, even Ryan Giggs, he's someone that probably wants the job at United. Even he will pick on the players just so everybody can join in on this negativity. I am hoping now that Jose Mourinho is gone, there's kind of some understanding of the fact that the truth is he's not the only problem. It's a matter coming from the board down to the playing field. Everybody has to take responsibility. We are hoping that come Saturday against Cardiff, we can kind of see the Lukaku that we saw at the World Cup, the Paul Pogba that we saw at the World Cup, that it's not a continuation of what has been an already exhausting season. Oh, well, Jose's gone. I tell you what, the players are in under a bigger spotlight now because there's no one to blame now. Mm. And everybody will be watching them. But uh, we're going to take a break uh, and um, just end this segment here by thanking Tolagele for joining us. Really, really appreciated your insight. And uh, we'll be back just now with some more meaty discussions. And we're going to look into the absolute premiership and touch on a bit of the local scene. We'll be back just now. Pitch Invasion is the podcast for football tribalists. To contribute to the show, pose a topic of debate, or just complain about your favorite team, Send us a WhatsApp voice note on plus two seven six zero nine two one six nine seven seven, or send us a text message starting with hashtag Pitch Invasion. Remember to also follow the Pitch Invasion podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the username Pitch Invaded.